Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business, presented by FL Montreal. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Ernie Furt today, who's in for Michael Newton. Welcome back, Ernie. Thank you. Always fun to be here. And uh, we have today on the program uh, an entrepreneur who I spotted in the news several years ago, and I'm really excited to talk uh, to Pierre Neron. He's the president and founder of Station Lave Glass. So Lave Glass being um, windshield washer fluid. So what's so interesting about windshield washer fluid? Well, Pierre has devised this system where you can sort of um, pump bulk loads of it into your car, just like you would at a gas pump. And it's brilliant and it cuts down on all that plastic waste and um, makes the whole process a lot more convenient. So um, I love businesses that solve a problem, Ernie in this case, uh, a problem that most of us probably never even thought of. Absolutely. You know, I've I seen many gas stations which have this like broomstick filled with all these empty canisters. And I always wondered what they did with them. Yeah, well, I, I guess they end up in a landfill somewhere. And um, so it's great to have an entrepreneur tackling that problem and making the whole process more convenient. So Pierre will join us in a few minutes. But first, as usual, news and notes. And this piece in Les Affaires actually caught our attention. It's on on the client experience. And we're, we've spoken a lot about retail and how retailers have to adapt um, and uh, this piece in Les Affaires says the client experience is the base of the experience. Uh, it remains that and will always be the base of the client experience. So just a little bit of that human connection and making someone's shopping experience uh, more pleasant. Um, what kinds of conversations have you guys had with your clients um, on, on, that, uh, on that process? Well, at the end of the day, in our business, as in most businesses, customer service is always king. You know, we have to serve the client in the way that the client wants to, you know, that you would talk to them, you engage them in what's interesting to them and develop a relationship with them because the little things matter to the clients and they really want to know what's going on. And, you know, it's not like you're, you, you have to develop a business relationship. You have to develop some type of relationship. So, so it'll actually communicate with you because communication in anything is very, very important, especially in business. We're talking about some interesting developments in retail, including the addition of uh, AR, augmented reality, and other new technologies. Um, you know, there's all kinds of uh, links to uh, personalization of the business, and certainly data. Um, that's a big one. Uh, are you are, are you seeing a lot of your clients sort of becoming tech companies lately? It's not. A lot of our clients are, are adopting more tech than they had in the past. There's certain companies that have always been tech companies, and there's other companies who are hard asset companies, and they're not, and and their development is slower. But the pandemic has forced everybody into operating in a virtual environment, and people learn, especially in the service businesses. You know, they 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 have to have their people at home. Okay, fine. Can we work from home? We need some equipment. Great. Let's get the equipment. Let's work from home and let's do what we got to do in order to keep our business afloat and to keep our business successful. This piece from Inc.com, super interesting. And we've been talking about the nine to five workday and how sort of that's been deconstructed a little bit with the pandemic. So perhaps working longer days, slower, a little differently. So a Harvard Business School professor um, floats the idea of the 322 work week, not nine to five, but 322. So that's three days on site, two days remote, and two days off. What are your thoughts on the, on the three, two, two? 
Well, three two two. First of all, Dolly Parton's going to have to change her song. Okay, instead of nine to five, it's going to be three two two. I don't know how she's going to do that, but that's going to be very interesting. Um, that's kind of what I'm doing now. Um, I, I'm basically working three remote days, two days in the office, and try to take two days off. But that's not really happening during tax season, unfortunately. Hmm. Did you think uh, people are more productive or less productive if they're working at home? If they're working exclusively at home and they don't have as much interaction as normal, bit by bit they become they begin to disengage. Okay, and so people need a combination of everything. So if you have this kind of is a little bit on the ideal sense, it's great. You know, you work three days from home, work two days at the office, or vice versa, whichever way you whichever way you want it, and whichever days you need to. And that gives people a blend and a mix of, uh, of contact with people, certain days that they're on their own, that they can work and, 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 and you know, work in their pajamas effectively and do what they need to do. And other days where they have to get up and get up, shave, uh, put on a suit and go to the office. This piece uh, from Fast Company also caught our attention. Six trends that will reshape business uh, in 2021, uh, but more from a, from a meaningful uh, angle, like more for in terms of purpose and mission statements, you know, where, where your company is going in a, in a broader sense. Um, they talk about authentic purpose measured in action, transparency and accountability, um, story doing, not just storytelling, uh, stakeholder capitalism. Um, they also talk about uh, looping in your board into that creative process to sort of outline your vision um, and selling your employees as well. So really getting everyone on board across the chain to sort of uh, tell your narrative and also uh, outline the steps how how your entire organization can come out of this pandemic in good shape. Basically, just don't say it, do it. That's what has to be uh, at, at the end of the day. People have had these wonderful mission statements for years and years and years, and you go look and see what they're actually doing. They're not doing anything close to that mission statement. Now, people are kind of being forced by society to to, to, to be more transparent and more accountable in, in what they're doing. And, and people focus on actions and not words because the words are useless and you have to empower your employees because they're the engine of the change. They have to help you to achieve your goals. And, and if it's not gonna come from the top of the board of directors, then if they don't believe it, then why should the people believe? You're a leader at your company. Um, what, what advice do you give to younger employers who might be struggling um, either with their workload, with their mental health, with uh, the, the government messing up things? I can't control the government. No, we can't. But, sure, and yeah. we can't control the employees. But at the end of the day, as long as they're talking to someone, they can be talking to us, they can be talking to friends, uh, just do different things. If you need to get up and get away from your your home office, go for a bike ride, go for a run, do whatever you, you like to do that, that helps you garden, whatever it is. Right now, it's becoming nice outside. You can walk, you can walk your dog, you can do whatever you have to do, bike ride. Um, talk, to, talk to your team members, talk to your friends, talk to your family. It's all about communication. Everything today is about communication. Let's move on this. Uh, speaking of sort of helping your team succeed in these times, this is a five-step formula that Google uses. And um, it has some key words here that I think entrepreneurs might want to uh, take note of. So this is from Inc.com, Inc. the five-step formula for team success. So um, in the end, they shared these five traits. So if you have these five traits, according to Google, you'll have a, a safe and productive work environment. So the one is psychological safety, two, dependability, 
Three, structure and clarity. Four, meaning. And five, impact. Any thoughts on those? You always need to have some type of formula, but there has to always be clear roles and norms to follow. So you can't, it, it cannot be everything in a vacuum. Okay, let's go and let's do what we have to do. Today's work has to be meaningful. It has to be important to the team members who are doing it, important for the organization, important for the team, important for the world. Um, people have to feel safe uh, taking risks or, or suggesting things that are a little off base or, or, or quote unquote, out of the box. Everything today has to be out of a box. Today, we have to make a new box. It has to be not in the box. It has to be out of the box. There's going to be a new box. There's going to be a new circle, whatever it is. Business has to adapt and they're doing it. And because of the pandemic, we're being forced to do it that much faster. Psychological safety is, of course, a pretty big one. We were talking about mental health on the program a couple of weeks ago. Dependability, I would say, uh, both ways as well. Let's not forget sure. that some employers can can lack dependability and may, may be giving unclear instructions. You have um, to lead by example. Yeah, that's that comes the, the, that's the oh, that comes down to it at the end of the day. Communicate, yeah, lead by example. Structure and the fourth I want to highlight is also is also important and underrated, which is meaning. And, uh, and making your team, as we said, you know, part of, part of a bigger project. And that's why a lot of organizations, you know, do work for Habitat for the Homeless and, and other charitable organizations and things like that. Give, you know, allow your employees to do these things on their own time and, and make it part of your corporate culture. So again, another example, uh, Ernie of an entrepreneur who's um, really solving a problem that, that in some cases we didn't even know we had. So we're talking a lot more about environmentalism and certainly as we get out of the pandemic situation, hopefully we'll be uh, talking a bit more about climate change and businesses have to take this into consideration. Um, do you see people now incorporating climate change and environmental friendliness as, as really core parts of their business model? People are changing. Yes, they're, 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 they're looking at these environmental things. It's important to, it's important to their customers. They're, the customers are asking them questions on it and they better have answers because if they don't have answers and they're not, and they're not environmentally conscious, then they're going to have issues uh, you know, expanding their business into the new horizons. And very excited to chat with our entrepreneur today. Uh, he is someone who popped into the news because he had just a really great idea. And it's kind of like a, a, a objectively great idea. And it certainly cuts down a lot of the plastic waste that we see um, all around Quebec. Pierre Neron is the president and founder of Station Lave Glass. Welcome, Pierre. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you today? Good. So first question, the easiest. Tell us about your brilliant idea, Station Lave Glass. Well, the, um, the idea is very, very simple, is that uh, you can, uh, exactly like you're doing with fuel pump, is that you can, you can drive to the device and uh, you know, prepay, um, pre-authorize an amount um, uh, with your credit card and just fill up your car as much as you want uh, up to the pre-authorized amount um, directly. And uh, you can also refill bottles if you want, but uh, basically we can uh, eliminate at the source the plastic bottles that we're using for the winter washer fluid uh, by pumping it directly in your car and you pay like the fuel pump per milliliter the, the fluid you're putting into your car. Where did this idea come from? Uh, it's, uh, it's to make a long story short, basically it's an idea that was actually uh, uh, first, it, it comes from Europe. 
basically, I have a sister that lives in Sweden. And uh, in my first visit to her about 25 years plus ago, um, there was something in a gas station and she thought that it was exactly it, like a pump for uh, the washer fluid directly in your car, but it was not the case. But that gave me the idea. And um, at the crossroad of my, my career, um, basically, um, I'll say 20 years later, um, you know, I, I've always wanted to, uh, to own a business, to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I was working, I had been working um, since my first days into big corporation. And um, I had been looking for, uh, you know, small businesses to buy. It's not an easy thing to do to buy a small business. And that idea came back to me. And, uh, you know, I thought that the, the business timing was good because, and that was back in 2012. I remember it was December, 2012. Um, and even more today, the environment is, is actually uh, extremely sexy and, uh, and at the time, I, I could not believe the idea was 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 not invented. And uh, but sure enough, uh, nothing was existing in such a way where you can drive your car directly to the fuel, uh, like like you're doing with your car for the fuel. Um, so so I started to look into it and uh, basically realized that no one had done such a thing, uh, such a thing because the device needs to be certified by Measurement Canada because if you're buying liquid per milliliter, like the fuel pump, um, you need to be certified Measurement Canada, and no one have, had ever done such a thing because it's too difficult to go through those uh, approvals. Uh, and that's the same thing, like if you go to the butcher and you want uh, ham, uh, slice of hams, the, the weights um, that, you know, uh, the butcher weights puts on it, it's actually certified measurement Canada. So it's a very difficult process. And I thought it was, uh, if I could, if I would be able to do it, um, then I'll be the first one to do it. Uh, then it creates sort of a barrier at the entry, uh, not to be copied. It's, it creates some difficulties for other ones to uh, to copy me. And uh, but sure enough, it took uh, two and a half years to do, and uh, we have a patent, uh, a Canadian patent on the device, and a, a U.S. patent as well. Um, so this this is how we uh, the idea came up, and uh, we thought the timing for it was good. We thought that, you know, even though the entire fleet of cars uh, in Quebec or Canada would be electric, we would still need washer fluid. So it was not, uh, it was not soon that we would uh, get rid of those plastic bottles. And, uh, and, you know, if you count the amount of cars we have in Quebec, I mean, it's, I think it's 5.4 million cars um, that we have in Quebec. So multiply by, by that amount by four bottles a year. So let's count two in the winter, one in the summer, and one for the fall and spring. That's four bottles. I mean, you're up to 20 million bottles more. So it's we need to get rid of them. And it's year after year. And some years is big is bigger because of the weather. It's totally depending on the weather. And it's a necessary, it's a necessity product. So you know, that's that's how I took my decision to uh to dive into this project um, and, uh, and, and get it done. You, you always had an entrepreneurial spirit, it seems. You always wanted to do something and it just took you a while to decide to, to do this. The idea had to germinate in your head and then you decided to, um, and then you decided to do it, which it's a great, it's a great thing because you're, you're going to save, a, people will save a lot of, 
of this waste that just goes into landfills, like we said earlier. And, and there's different options. You have different options. You know, you have the filling station. I think there's four of them I looked on your, on your website. You want to explain that a little bit? Well, uh, on the website, we have four devices. One is actually for the public, um, actually the general public. I mean, the entire fleet of cars that we have. And uh, uh, we have declined the, the first model with the entire electronic, the payment system and everything. And we took that away. And um, actually we can attach uh, uh, the device to a uh, fleet management system for fuel because we have company that has uh, uh, big fleets of trucks and cars like the city, um, like the big trucking companies. And uh, basically sometimes they, they will have their own fuel management system. And then we can attach the device to the fuel management system where the employee will go there with his card, will tap the card on the management system and he would select the, uh, the washer fluid pump and then he can actually um, authorize the pump and we can count the liquid or not count the liquid. So get the pump authorized. And, uh, and we, have, um, uh, we have something very rudimental for those who has uh, a small fleet of cars, like an electrician, a plumber, who has maybe 20 trucks, but go through maybe uh, you know, five, six pallets of uh, plastic bottles a year. So you're talking about maybe a thousand bottles a year. Um, so those can get just a simple reservoir with a pump on it and we can refill it. And we actually had uh, developed a, uh, a little device that allows us to trigger a little signal. So when the, the, the reservoir is uh, on the low level, then we get, a, we get an email and then um, actually we can go and refill. You have a fleet of trucks for that? Not myself. We don't have a truck, a fleet of truck, uh, basically. But uh, for the, the fleets, for the, the, for the ones who has uh, those fleets, uh, for those companies, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good thing to have because then they, they don't run out of, fu of, of fluid when it's uh, critical, critical time. And, uh, and Pierre, it is, it is many, many times a year. I mean, you said a couple times during winter, but I feel like it's more like three or four uh, in my case, especially for those of us who uh, go up north on a regular basis. Um, have you had a lot of success in the regions where people sort of are, are really binging on, uh, on lab glass, it seems? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, we try to be conservative. So we believe it's probably more than 20, 25 millions. Uh, we don't have the exact numbers, so we go with, by the logic. But yeah, we believe that. And, and like this winter that we just had was not an exact a good benchmark for for using a lot of uh, first of all people were working from home so uh, and it was not a winter where um, there was an extreme usage of it uh, of the winter washer but uh, yeah in the regions of course I mean these are the place the places that works the most is actually Stoneham uh, a little bit up north Quebec City uh, where basically there's a ski resort and it's among the last uh, gas station where, uh, you know, before you hit uh, L'Etape, before Chicoutimi. Uh, so that place actually is, is, we had to add a second one because we had to go there and refuel uh, two, three times a week. So it was just too much. So, um, but that one, uh, if, if all of the, we have 70 devices so far uh, and, and they're spread across Quebec, basically. We have, we have one in Amos, all the way up north in Abitibi. We have uh, one in Val d'Or, uh, in Rouen. We have three in Rouen. Uh, and, and basically, uh, and we have in Saguenay-Lac-Saint-Jean, we have seven there. Um, so they're all working pretty well in regions. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, but 
we go through a lot of those plastic bottles, that's for sure. Well, you have 70 of these. Any, I hear only Quebec. Are we planning on expanding to Ontario well, or West? Well, I'm, a, I'm happy you asked the question because we're actually going through now the process of putting something together. There's two uh, distributor that actually uh, we're gonna start uh, sending those devices in Ontario. Um, and uh, basically we're ready to go across Canada with this uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, two, uh, so the first one will be shipped by end of May um, to go around and show like a showcase. Uh, and uh, we should start seeing the, the first one in operation probably by um, September. Uh, so yeah, we're going through, we're going to Ontario for sure. Tell us about the marketing process. I mentioned earlier that I, um, I found out about you guys a few years ago through, through the news media because people were reporting on it. It was a new idea. Um, how do you teach people about this new idea and, uh, and sort of demystify a little bit? Because maybe people are thinking, well, it's another pump. Maybe it's too complicated, too time consuming. Describe the education process that you're, that you're involved in. Well, when, we, when, when I first uh, put the idea together is that I did not want to, I did not want to reinvent a wheel that was already existing with the fuel pumps. So, so my mentality was a monkey has to be able to use it. So we made it very simple. And that's why it's Station Lave Glass. It's, it's self-explanatory. Uh, you know, it's a pre-authorization amount uh, like you do with the pumps. It's very simple to use. So, um, so, so basically uh, we went through the social media because that's the fastest way to reach people. So basically we're a B to B to C. So we're business to business, but basically the consumer basically is who we're targeting to use it. Um, and, and the social media, the Facebook is actually has been the benchmark for, uh, um, for, for spreading out the news. And, and of course, it's very sensitive to people, which is the one-time usage of those plastic bottles. It's very sensitive to the media. So this is how we got, uh, and we got the coverage we, you know, we were lucky to have. And of course, it's the first time this thing did not exist in, in, in that, of that nature. And it's a system that is actually, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's strong, and strong enough to be uh, you know, um, spread across the province to eliminate uh, those plastic bottles. It's not something that, uh, you know, it can be used uh, only in a local gas station, uh, you know, privately owned. It's, it's really made to be robust and going through the weather that we're having. And um, so it's, uh, it's, it's really a concept that is durable in time. With respect to the bigger cities, I hear a lot of smaller cities and, and surrounding areas is there an issue with the bigger cities and, and their adoption of this thing? Are they not environmentally friendly or conscious? Uh, it's not a simple concept to implement. It's not as easy as we may think. I mean, at the first, at first we, we thought that the gas station was the, the primary place to get the, the, the product known. And um, the petroleum company, um, of course, they make, good pro they, they make good money with the bottle. And uh, it's something that has been implemented, it's there. And they're so busy. I mean, it's when you, you go to them with a new idea that it's get their day-to-day -day a little bit more complex, it's kind of tough to get in. Um, if we were giving away the device to them, uh, of course, we would have uh, that concept all over the place. But, you know, money-wise, it, uh, it would be extremely, uh, you know, demanding a lot of capital. So basically the concept is that we sell the device and we manage it for them. So it's a business managed concept. 
And um, it, but we have we've um, we were lucky enough to have some mayor being um, avant-gardist or you know uh, looking into the future. And actually, few cities actually purchased it, and um, they lowered the price uh, where the city makes just a little bit of money on it, and uh, they give that away to um, to uh, to organization in their cities. And actually, it's it works better sometimes than, than in the gas station. So really slowly, but certainly we're aiming for the cities and we have just put together a program where uh, we call it um, uh, Voyons Don. That means that, you know, once we install a device in a city where there's, there's enough citizens, then we install the device for free. And then we give 10 cents per liter to the city, which they can give it back to any organization they, uh, they want. So the two city we've installed it to, I mean, it's uh, the the device is installed behind the city hall. It's not a it's not a super place. I never thought it'd be working that much. Unbelievable! I was su surprised. So uh, basically, we're going to start uh, rolling out that plan uh, fairly soon. And parking lots, you know, I, I think you have one at Complex des Jardins or something like that. Yeah, the, the parking lots is uh, is complex des jardins. It's underneath, so it's it's basically limited to those 1,000 parking spots that are there. Um, and there's two exits, so it's really uh, des jardins actually called me off and they said, "Well, we'd like to offer this to our uh, um, to the people that rent the parking space, and uh, we'd like to to uh, to uh, put it there." And I said, "That's that's a good window for the business community." Uh, and uh, for, for, you know, to get the product known. And uh, sure enough, what we're going to be doing with Desjardins is that they have, uh, you know, Desjardins headquarters is in uh, Lévis, Quebec. And uh, they have about 6,000 employees there and they have over 45,000 parking spot. And we will be installing one device there. And basically the reason why they're doing it is because they want to attract the talent. And by attracting the talent, you know that at, at uh, Desjardins in Lévis, uh, basically what you can do is that you can change your tire in the parking lot. You can change the oil. You can get, get your car washed. And basically you can do your grocery store, your, uh, your, your, uh, your grocery. And um, they have put together a big cabinet with multiple doors and it's ventilated and, um, and climate controlled. And basically, you can uh, you know do your shopping with uh, the, the grocery, and they're gonna bring it in your in your little cabinet reserved to you. And at the end of the day, you 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 pick up your um, your food. Uh, so they wanted to offer that service there for uh, for the for the um, the employees. So it's 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 one extra element to attract talent to work for the jardin. We'll have our one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur coming up in a little bit from Pierre Neron, president and founder of Station Lave Glass. And uh, first, though, let's talk about selling a business. Uh, joining us again is Dick Moreta's tax partner at FL and how that process uh, hopefully will go smoothly for entrepreneurs and making big changes this year. Nick, welcome back. Hi there. How are you? Good. How are you? All right. Uh, yes, yeah, selling your business. Um, what we've noticed uh, at Fuller for the last uh, year, I would say, actually it's longer, two years probably, um, and I, probably due to the very low interest rates that are out there for financing, is an, an increased interest in, in um, people buying other companies. Um, and we've been a bit inundated in terms of um, uh, prospects that have uh, considered buying and have actually closed uh, transactions. 
And what we were finding in, in, in all this is that the, the process, when you try to um, think about it, I want to sell my business, what's involved and, and what's going to happen um, in that very tight few months or weeks before that sale. And that's where we were, we're coming up and discussing it internally. Like, how do we, how do we help? Uh, what we tend to find is many times we, we plan it. I'm a planner. Ernie works on, on this stuff as well, where one day there's going to be an exit. How do we structure? But what we're finding is um, depending upon where the buyers are, are they local or are they, are they coming in from the States? Um, are you just, are you still in the growing stage? Uh, there's a lot, a lot of elements that come in. So usually one of the first thing that happens is this letter of intent that the buyer is going to sign and is going to present to, to the seller that basically outlines the broad plan. I'm looking to buy and acquire everything or, or part of it. I'm looking to acquire for a price based upon this formula or some, some manner, how much I'm willing to pay down, how much I'm not. What am I expecting to buy? What, what are you going to leave in your company as, as assets that I'm going to acquire? What are some broad principles that we want to discuss in terms of your continued involvement as a seller? Um, and that, that's sometimes the easy thing. Then you're into this due diligence period where, where all of a sudden uh, you, the, the buyer is basically looking under the hood and asking lots and lots of questions. And, and it could be as simple as is your minute books, if you're a corporation, up to date with the proper um, directors and shareholders, have they been left to languish as sometimes uh, is, is found? Um, how good are your financial statements and your book of accounts? your tax policies, how your tax filings, how are they gone? And, and then screening all your employees and, and, and seeing who, who's the, where's the strengths, where there's the weakness. Sounds weaknesses. very complicated, Nick. Where are yeah. these buyers coming from? Well, that, well, right now we've been seeing them all over the place. And, and sometimes it is a, a market driven. Uh, we want to get into the Canadian market or the Quebec market. Sometimes it's expanding and adding complementary services so that it's a, it's a full body a service. I've been looking. I thought prices were going to come down because of COVID and all this. Nope, I, I haven't seen that at all. Um, which, which is, was my my biggest part. Very, very surprising. And then are they buying get, shares? Are they buying shares, shares or yes. assets? Uh, we've we've gone across everything. A lot of the charge transactions are shares because the sellers would want to sell shares. Buyers prefer to buy an asset, and there's and there's always a give and take. What you want to do, and that'll come into the price it'll come into the yeah, terms they call that the bass rule the buy assets sell shares that's, that's right always and the case that's right so that's what we do and then the fine financing seems to be there uh, we're doing transactions right now where we got cash and security deals so i'm giving you so much cash and i'm giving you shares of my company well that's very nice but where's your company if it's in the states i have to pay the tax today on that that, that those shares you're giving me is there something we can do to defer does um, management then, hang on afterwards sometimes well, that, so far we have. I, I don't see long term. Um, there are quite a few. That reason I'm selling out depends on what your age is, what's your motivation. Uh, you Did you put the podcast out on your front lawn saying I'm up for sale or did someone come in and knock on your door and want to buy you out? Big difference in terms of your motivation. Um, you know, we were talking with clients recently. They're willing to st stick around, but it's nice for them to take out their equity, reduce the risk. We got others who went in deliberately. We want, we don't want to be in, in, we don't want to own this company by December 31st. And therefore we're going to be selling it. But then our time horizon isn't three years down the road where perhaps the buyer would like us to be. It might be six months, a year down the road. So there's a lot of factors that come in and you're doing all this and you're thinking through all this. And this is where I think business owners have to 
be multitasking because you're multitasking with the accountant who you know needs to help you with your finances to the tax guy who's trying to restructure your stuff and many times doing it before the deal is really uh, settled up the lawyers are trying to determine you know should we go left or right and what do we agree with this what do we agree with that and then that almighty dollar and how much are you going to get today how much are you going to get in the future so businesses uh, you're, you're looking to structure you should be talking to your advisors even though the possibility of an exit is years ago years from now is build up and to understand what's going and what's being involved and um, the planning is the biggest, biggest, biggest part of that. You didn't even mention lawyers in any of these deals. There's no lawyers involved at all. No, right? no, I mentioned uh, lawyer, no, <laughs> lawyers are vital to the, the, these deals. And with Zoom calls with people all around North America, electronic documents where in the past, this would have been an impossibility. Yeah, electronic documents are the thing of the future and thing of today, actually. People are signing these things all over the world, all at the same time. And uh, the deals get done quickly yeah. that way. Nick Moretis, tax partner at FL. Thank you so much. And Ernie, uh, let's now turn to our guest, Pierre Neron, president and founder of Station Lave Glass. Pierre, what is your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? So yeah, the, the, the one piece of advice I got to tell you, but there's so many pieces of advice uh, you know, I'd like to say, but uh, if there's one is that uh, what I've realized that it's uh, to be an entrepreneur is accessible to everybody but it's not made for everybody. So basically the advice is a profile yourself and ask a lot of questions. What does it involve to be an entrepreneur? On all aspects of being an entrepreneur and, uh, and jump in it. If you still feel that you've got the guts to do it, just do it. It's an amazing, it's an amazing journey. Pierre Nehal, president and founder of Station Lave Glass. Thanks so much for joining us today and congratulations on uh, a product that just plain makes sense. I mean, there's no, nothing else needs to be said. It just makes sense. That's great. Thank you very much for your time. Ernie, nice to chat with you again today. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. And don't forget to head over to todaysentrepreneur.org for well over a decade worth of inspiring entrepreneur stories. You can listen to us on demand at iHeartRadio, uh, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. And we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. Take care. This has been a production of TNKR Media. Good talk.